Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I'm the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's name say BJ Shea is on assignment. And running the boards is Joey D's. Hey. Hello. It's Friday, and we're going to get some CinemaCon news from Gareth Von Kallenbach. We're also going to be, talk, be talking about the magic pre-release that's hitting MTG Arena this weekend. And, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. more. Or just search for us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app, BJ Shay's Geek Nation, to find us. Yeah, to find us. Plenty of ways to do so, and uh, really do appreciate you guys uh, getting in contact with us, telling us all about the geeky stuff that you enjoy. Follow us on stuff like Facebook, because Vicky posts all the time. Yes. There's too much stuff out there in the geek world to cover just on our podcast, but we try to hit up as much as possible. And if you want us to talk about something, send us a message and let us know about that. Uh, let's get right into this because this week has been big in CinemaCon, and while we do have some information from Gareth, do not forget to go over to his website, SKNR.net, because he will have even more, but let's get down to the nitty-gritty with Gareth about CinemaCon. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed in Review, that is SKNR.net and Gareth, uh, CinemaCon is happening right now and I know that a lot of information is still waiting to come out and you'll be able to check all of that out at SKNR.net but give us the rundown of the stuff that you have uh, heard so far especially in regards to Sony Okay, so started off uh, first day of the week Monday, the big showcase was at Sony and for those of you that are not aware, basically the idea behind CinemaCon is that it's an event for industry professionals, meaning uh, theater owners, exhibitionists, people who work in the industry, like those who create projectors, seats, concessions, as well as the media. And Sony started off with essentially what is the big push behind the event, and that is to essentially liaison between studios and the theater owners that Theaters are still the most important thing to them. The preference is to do theatrical distribution and will continue to be the preference, not streaming. And so Sony started off with a really nice montage of all these clips from the news where they were saying this is the end of theaters, theaters are closed to the pandemic, they're never going to reopen, this is the end of movies as we know it, streaming is the future. And then they immediately went into clips of Venom, Spider-Man, and all their things and talked about their billions of dollars in theatrical-only revenue just in the last few months alone from these films. Uh, so, obviously, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I am limited on certain things I can talk about, certain things I can't go into details, but essentially what they do is the studios come out and they bring out various people to show off their upcoming films in the next year or two. And it's essentially, again, to hype up uh, the films and also to tell the theater owners, we got your back. Look at all this great stuff coming that you should be excited over. There's a lot of money to be made for all of us. And so we got uh, Bullet Train, 
which was filmed during the pandemic. And for those of you that aren't aware, we were shown the first reel of it. The director came out and showed it off. And this is it's uh, based on a graphic novel. And uh, see if you can try to wrap your mind around this one. You've got Brad Pitt, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Bad Bunny, all these people. And it is a movie set on a obviously a Japanese bullet train. And it I guess the best way I could describe it is think of a mix between Kill Bill, John Wick, a caper movie with intense action and comedy elements. So, okay, wow, yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> essentially, you have Brad Pitt as a guy who does questionable jobs for hire, who's decided to go into business for himself, and he's basically told snatch and grab a case off this train. That's it. Well, there's a couple of assassins on the train who are rescuing a certain individual who doesn't want to be rescued, and it appears said case holds the ransom, and Brad Pitt has it, and he's about to walk off the the train with it, and there's all sorts of various questionable assassins and people on the train that uh, comedy of errors where the two assassins were (laughs) fighting over, uh, they're called Lemon and Tangerine, and they're fighting over their code names and how many people they actually... (laughs) had to kill to order to rescue said guy who didn't want to be rescued, which involves a very graphic recap of their count. And then, of course, right as Brad Pitt's about to exit the train with the case, someone attacks him and they have a brutal fight. And that's where it ended right as it got going. So a lot of good stuff there. Um, wow. We, we also had uh, a look from uh, Viola Davis came out and showed off her film that involves a uh, true story about a tribe of female African warriors who had to defend their village back in the day. Um, we had a look. Uh, Reese Witherspoon came in via satellite. We talked about a we did we recorded a birthday greeting for um, The Rock, and then of course <laughs> uh, uh, that that was good. And you know uh, the, more on him later, I guess, when we get to Warner Brothers. And then of course the big thing is. Uh, uh, we got a look at the new Spider-Man movie, the next animated one. It was very rough. There was still basic animation and storyboards. Uh, they showed us about 15, 20 minutes of it and then announced that uh, it will not be one but two films that are coming. Wow. And uh, there are over 240 characters in this one. What? And, uh, yeah, we were basically sworn to absolute secrecy about what we saw. <laughs> uh, but I can say that if you like the last one, you'll like this. Um, they showed us, like, a sizzle reel of stuff. Bad Bunny came out, and uh, he's going to be playing El Muerto in their uh, Spider-Man series. Uh, and, of course, uh, they mentioned Madam Webb was going into production. Craven the Hunter is currently in the works. They're looking at a possible Black Cat film. They showed off uh, a sizzle reel and then uh, basically told us, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, there's a new Ghostbusters and a new Venom film coming soon. And that was their Damn. showcase. Now, that's kind of interesting, too, that they're still going to be moving forward with the kind of offshoot anti-heroes in the Spider-Man universe. Because Morbius got panned by everyone, even though it is making a, a fair amount of cash. Yeah, it's, it's basically this. They've got the right to Spider-Man-related characters. Marvel owns everything else. Spider-Man himself, they're in the partnership with for a few more years. So that's there. And essentially, 
we've got all these and we're going to just milk them for all we can. <laughs> and, you know, Venom's been a big hit for them. Yeah. You can debate about the quality of them. And Morbius, well, there you go. And I think they're basically kicking the tires on all these others to say, what do we got? Fair enough on that, you know, and it'll be exciting to see where they go with all of that information, especially with all those side characters. I'm really interested to see what they're going to be doing with that Craven the Hunter movie. Now, you did mention WB and The Rock, so let's move on to what WB had to show for their showcase. Yeah, now that was pretty amazing. So you look at this, and this is one where you go, Sony opened it up, and we were like, wow, that's pretty cool. They, they, you know, they really set a good standard. Warner Brothers just came out swinging. I mean, we had the cast of Shazam sequel out there. We had our first look at the Flash movie that showed a, I guess the best way I'd be allowed to describe it is a hermit-like Michael Keaton back Mm. as Batman. We've had uh, implications that Wonder Woman is going to be in the Shazam sequel. We have The Rock there showing off black... uh, Adam, we had all sorts of just crazy, crazy things, and it was like, literally, it was coming so fast, you're like, oh, wow, how am I keeping up with all of this (laughs) stuff? And, you know, that's not even counting some of the other films that they had, and obviously the focus was heavily on the, um, the DC Hero films. And, it, you know, of course, you know, James Wan came out for Aquaman too. you know, the Aquaman sequel. And you're just like, wow, you know, this is this is pretty impressive. But, you know, Dwayne Johnson again on hand, not only to talk about Black Adam, but they've got this uh, pet movie coming out that has to be oh, an animated yeah. movie that looked pretty crazy. And there he was pulling double duty on that. And you're you're just like, wow, you know. Just bang, 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 one thing after another. How do we keep up with all of this? And, uh, you know, they did. And they just kept <laughs> rolling hit after hit after hit. And you're sitting here going, my goodness, you know, how am I keeping up with all of this? Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where you look at that and you realize that they've got a lot of projects and however which way that fans really kind of interact or at least, uh, you know, uh, uh, review a movie, especially the DC superhero movies, it's not going to stop them. Just like what I was just just talking about with Morbius. It's like one of these ones where like, no, we're going to dig in and we're going to do these and, you know, with something like The Flash, which is really exciting because it seems like they're doing their own multi verse in terms of I've seen a little bit of that footage it'll be kind of fun and interesting to see where they go with that seeing Michael Keaton in there I've heard maybe there might be possibly other cameos obviously nothing confirmed yet and you can say what you can say there but it has to be exciting for DC fans oh exactly and of course I'm saving some of the uh, best stuff uh, Matt Reeves walked out at the beginning and basically confirmed Batman 2 is coming Ooh, yeah um, you know no shocker here, but they did announce Dune 2 is definitely in pre-production. Uh, we got to look at, you know, you talk about a little counter-programming here. We got to look at the Elvis movie with Tom Hanks' <laughs> Colonel Tom Parker. Oh, yeah. Which looked really good. And uh, we also had a brief preview about the new Wonka with uh, Timothy Chalamet, who is in Dune. And they said, you know, that's going to be out at Christmas of 2023. 
And then, you know, they, they threw a few other things, like Olivia Wilde has got a film called Don't Worry, Darling, Coming. And you're just like, wow. And then just when you thought they'd got everything, and you're like, am I missing something? Oh, yeah, here's our version of Salem's Lot coming. What? Yeah, exactly. They, they, they got smart because they had success doing it. And that oh, has kind yeah. of set the template because, as we know, theatrical adaptations of Stephen King films have basically been largely misses. Mm -hmm. And the mentality behind it is his films are too long to really condense down. I mean, his books are too long, too complex to condense down to 90-minute movies. And if you do a TV series, that works, but you often have to, you know, throttle down the adult content, which has basically left them, well, where are we going to do streaming or so? Uh, We've got an It prequel coming, and they basically said, we're going to Salem's Lot next. And that will be very interesting to see how they pull that one off. Yeah, it might be uh, time to crack open the old book and uh, re-remember uh, exactly what the hell went down with that one. Because it's been a long time since I've reread uh, Salem's Lot. Oh, no kidding. And, you know, I, I still remember the TV series, you know, the original one where, you know, David Saul, which I still think is the best improvisational vampire defense in history when he took the two tongue depressors, taped them together to make a crucifix, and burned it into the into the guy's head. And I'm like, that works. You know, if you're in a pinch, hold your fingers together and just go like that. That's amazing. I love that. I love the fact that they're bringing it back, and I hope and I hope that Stephen King is A, on board, but B, also lets them kind of do what they want to do with it. Because a lot of the times, the ones that diverge from what Stephen King really wants to have in the movies seem to do the best absolutely and i you know it, it seems to be they have it and i mean you can talk about the new versions of pet cemetery and say well you know what do you judge as success for stephen king films and obviously the studios say critical acclaim and all that's nice but it's tails in the seat money in the till that's yeah. what really matters so you know uh we can take we'll take a financially successful film that's panned over a critically acclaimed film that makes a little bit of money. And I think, you know, again, the the task is there. But see, you also have to realize it, it's such a slippery slope. You have it that did phenomenally well. And I think if they were being honest, exceeded their expectations. And then you have a film like uh, Dr. Sleep, you know, the sequel to The Shining. Yeah. That I thought was very well done, and it did not do things at the box office. Now, there are people saying, you know, perhaps if they would have called it The Shining 2 Doctor Sleep, it might have done better. Uh, but the fact that you just put it out, you know, so again, it's the roll of the dice. And I think the advantage for Salem's Lot is King fans know this, but are the 30 and unders? going to know this because let's look how long ago it was that the book came out i mean oh, i was yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and so and the see and that again is why they have things like this that is why you have things like comic-con where they could say it's time to get this out to the people you know right now we're hitting the industry so somewhere down mm-hmm. the line it's now we got to get it out to the people and we got to get the buzz going for this and of course you know trailers and everything will follow soon after absolutely and you know, and that's what's coming. I mean, I, I mean, like looking ahead, uh, we've got Universal, and so we know we're going to get uh, Jurassic World. 
We're curious about some other things. I I can pretty much bet John Wick 4 is going to be at Lionsgate because they had a massive display in the lobby. <laughs> My personal hope, fingers crossed, is that we're going to get a look at the Borderlands movie. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. And, and then, <laughs> you know, this one is a no-brainer because I think if you saw the footage and the videos I put up, uh, they're going to be showing Top Gun Maverick in its entirety uh, right before the award show, and they had displays everywhere for that. We're not allowed to do any reviews, but I can tell you uh, I heard nothing but good things. In fact, not good things, great things uh, from people who have seen some of the footage and so on. So very, very, very excited. And, of course, if that wasn't crazy enough, right as it's uh, wrapping up, the NFL draft is going on in Las Vegas as well. Wow. Wow, yeah. Well, well, have have fun in Vegas dealing with all of that ridiculousness, and I know that you're going to keep a finger on the pulse as it's going on. We've barely scratched the surface of what everything is happening at CinemaCon, but you can get all that news and information as it's happening. You need to follow and like Skewed and Reviewed across all social media or just hit up SKNR.net to get the uh, roadmap to find all of that stuff. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. Take care now. Thank you so much, Gareth. And if you're just sitting there at home on your computer trying to get all the news and all the information from CinemaCon, maybe load up uh, MTG Arena and play a pre-release because it is now available. The Streets of New Capenna is out there on the pre-release for MTG Arena. And this is uh, if you uh, maybe missed last week, which was the paper version, the, uh, uh, you know, you can go into your local gaming store, or if you just want to get more practice in, MTG Arena is a great way to do it. Yeah, man. It's finally here. I know. Are you excited to uh, put in some rounds? I am. Uh, it's been long anticipated. I feel like, I don't know why this uh, set branch just feels like it's been forever, but I am ready to get out of uh, Vow and get into some <laughs> uh, gangster trouble. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about this last week as well because the paper pre-release came out and they're really they're really banking on this weird demon city that has been well i mean it was built by angels and now overrun by demons and we've got the different families um somebody said it's kind of reminiscent of uh, new york city during the prohibition time just with like demons and uh you know fairies and all the different sorts of uh, magic uh, uh baddies and under city creatures. dealings yeah. citizens getting caught in the middle yeah so it'll it'll be interesting to see where that goes do you now this is just a limited series yep. uh, I mean limited uh, tournament when you're playing it so you get your packs and you got to open them and try to build a deck with that going into a pre-release do you have uh, like a mindset even if you've done a little bit of research on the cards like you get your pile and you see it and you're looking at the cards how do you kind of figure out what you're gonna play or what's going to be good for you depending on a your play style or just the cards you get? Yeah, I think for a pre-release, the first thing you want to do is figure out what cards most appeal to you. What cards do you want to play? Generally, it's going to be the rares. You're going to see some on a multicolor card that you're going to want to play. And there's a lot of fixing in this format. I think there's 10 lands at common that let you uh, fix for multiple colors. And you have a couple more other cards uh, at common and uncommon amongst the colors. So you're going to be able to play what you want. So generally what I do is I open up my cards, separate the rares at first just quickly to see, okay, you know, do I have three green rares? That yeah. I'm like, well, I'm probably going to play green. <laughs> but uh, then I just separate everything to colors, and I look and I say, well, how much fixing do I have? Those are the lands. Uh, you're going to probably see, I'd say, probably four or five at least. 
And uh, then I just decide, okay, do I want to play the deck that's going to win the most, or do I want to play the deck that's going to be the most fun? I got to tell you, in a pre-release, I'm I'm going for fun. Yeah, a lot of the times too, because I don't know what the payout for uh, winning on MTG Arena is. But a lot of the times, this is a good way for you to feel out the uh, the format, feel out what works for you um, based on your play style or and just how the set is going to go out. Maybe see something that you didn't notice before. Maybe there's some creature with evasion that you overlooked that actually is a workhorse. And kind of kind of get into that. So when you get into other limited stuff like draft, you know kind of where you want to go in with those. This is kind of the planning stage in like a real kind of low key atmosphere. Yeah, you're going to understand which commons are more powerful than others, which uncommons are more powerful than others. Rares are always going to be powerful, but if you want a little cheat, sealed. There's a lot of fixing. You're going to be incentivized to play three colors, and there are common fixers at multicolor that also get to be castable as creatures. And a big thing with this, too, is they've brought back the hybrid mana, which means that you can cast it for whatever. So if you've got one that's, like, red-blue and you're only playing, like, red-green or something, you can still use those. It would just be, like, a double red casting cost. Exactly. Sealed tends to be slower, and you get six packs. True. And I do believe you get a special pack in this set that oh, is they're bringing that back, maybe? Yeah, to your, your, your uh, I don't want to call them guilds because they're more gangster yeah, for a cruise, your gang, but your gang, yeah. I guess, yeah. But so you you're gonna get uh, more commons of that color as well. So when you do that, just decide. Okay, if I pick these, uh, you know, the uh, I they all have different names. I don't want to butcher any of them. But yeah, if you pick, yeah, say, the Bant one, because that's the old school, so green, white, blue, you're gonna get a lot more of that. So you're probably gonna play those colors. That makes sense, and it's a ton of fun. Now, if you're playing limited, I'm gonna tell you this right now. It's way different. The reason being is is because the uncommons are tricolored sometimes, and they're less powerful if they're not. So you're going to end up with more two-color decks just because that's how the commons play out. There aren't a lot of multicolor commons. You want to be the allied colors, so green, white, oh, red, black. Good call, yeah. Because they have one more commons you can pick from in multicolor because the common co- multicolor cards are all two-color, not three-color. Okay. And aggressive decks, in general and limited, don't like being three colors because it's harder to cast your cards on time, which is what aggressive decks need to do to be good. Yeah, exactly. If you're playing like a, a quick... Uh, if you're trying to end the game really quickly, you want the most stable mana base, which is always, it's a hard thing to do a lot of the times with magic, and uh, 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 doing two colors is way better. Yeah. No, what you can do is be in two colors in pack one, say, and then go into pack two and open a three-color rare that shares two of your colors, and then you can splash for it because it's a little bit easier, you know Mm -hmm. what you're looking for. But for instance, if you open a Grixis rare, you know, green, uh, black, red, blue, you pick it, and then all of a sudden you don't see any fixing for it, you're going to have a hard time casting those cards. And you're going to be a slow deck. Yeah, so no matter how big the bomb is, you've got to be able to cast it. Yeah, but again, if you're having fun, this is pre-release weekend, right? No one's going to be really trying hard to win every game because it's the enjoyment of Magic, right? Mm-hmm. There's a new set, and this is the joy of getting it every three months is that you get this whole weekend or even week probably where everyone's just having a great time playing new cards. Yeah, and I mean, with MTG Arena, you can do it in the comfort of your home. Uh, pants optional at that point in time. Of course. <laughs> so uh, let us know how you feel about that. We might have to revisit this uh, uh, in the coming weeks to see uh, how you feel about this set, whether it be sealed or draft. Yes, I don't think I'm going to get the 90% win rate me and my friends had like last time. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, maybe you'll solve it. Maybe you'll solve the whole format in the first week. I'm going to have to solve a whole lot more than that. I'm going to play a dice roller or something, the shuffler. <laughs> well, good luck, sir. Thank you. Now, moving on, it is time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what is going on? 
Hello, happy Friday. Friday. Oh, yeah, that means it's movie time. It's for the movies. And we did just talk with uh, Gareth about CinemaCon and uh, all of the movie news, but that's for stuff that's coming up in the next couple of years, basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is the stuff that is out now. Yes, as of today or the last few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one being... Uh, uh, He's one of those guys that is just appearing in basically the same movie over and over again. And no, it's not Bruce Willis. Yeah, we're, we're done making fun of Bruce Willis. <laughs> he actually does have a movie coming out this weekend. Though. Oh, gosh, he does, of course. Uh, it's called Memory, and it's got Liam Neeson in it. Oh, yes. The other the other aging actor who... Now, is this going to be another one of those uh, action-type movies? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, 26% on Rotten Tomato. Memory... <laughs> Memory follows Alex Lewis, played by Liam Neeson, as an expert assassin with a reputation for discreet position or precision. Excuse me, <laughs> discreet positions. <laughs> Don't go there. Ha. Yeah, right. Caught in a moral quagmire, Alex refuses to complete a job that violates his code and must quickly hunt down and kill the people who hired him before they and FBI agent Vincent Sarah, played by Guy Pierce, find no. him first. Alex is built for revenge, but with a memory that is beginning to falter, he is forced to question his every action, blurring the line between right or wrong. I kind of like that idea of like you being an assassin, you trying to do the right thing, but you can't trust your brain. It, that's kind of, I mean, and it's interesting also because this, like the whole memory thing, mm-hmm. and you said Guy Pierce is in it. He was in a movie called Memento. That's right. Um, quite a oh. while ago. And that is all about memory. So that's kind of a fun little aspect of it. But it also is entertaining because it's like old guy is forgetting who to kill. Or, you know, maybe not. I'm like really kind of boiling it down to something Mm -hmm. that it might not be. But it's just like old guy has memory issues and is an action star. I'm like, all right, I guess that fits in with what Liam Neeson's doing. He can't really be the father hunting down people now. I guess he could be grandpa. Right. Uh, (laughs) Like I said, 26%. It only has 31 reviews. No audience rating as of yet. Mm, That makes sense. Uh, This movie, uh, when you go to Rotten Tomatoes and you look at the main thing, like they have a little thumbnail for the trailer. Uh Uh-huh. And I audibly just went. Yeah, yeah. I was. Just sitting here while you're doing the prep, and you just made that noise, and I was like, nope. "Are you okay over there?" It's all kinds of creepy, weird. I don't know what this is. Vampire monster thing with Ooh. a big split mouth. Ow! Uh, but it is a horror movie called Hatching, and it's certified fresh at 92 percent on uh, the tomato meter. It's a Finnish movie, uh, so the original language isn't Finnish. So I don't know if they're dubbing it or if it's going to be one of those. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, oh, closed subtitles captions. or something. Yeah, like that? subtitle. Yeah. Oh, that but, is that is a hardcore picture. I can right? understand why you wouldn't be too cool with that. No, but like I said, it's a horror movie. It says, in hatching 12-year-old gymnast uh, Tinja is desperate to please her image-obsessed mother, whose popular blog, Lovely Everyday Life, presents their family's ideal idealistic ex- existence as manicured suburban perfection. Hmm, we've never seen anything like that before on the no. internet. Yeah, right. Uh, one day after finding a wounded bird of the woods... Tinja brings its strange egg home, nestles it in her bed, and nurtures it until it hatches. The creature that emerges becomes her closest friend in a living nightmare, plunging Tinja's beneath the impeccable veneer into a twisted reality that her mother refuses to see. Whoa, that's kind of interesting too. Like, and it's a su- huge egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a rather large egg. So it's it's. It, I like the idea of it because it's a unique premise. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm and like, it's creepy and gross. So, you, this so is I don't the, like that part. This is not something for you. Oh, no, my gosh. But if you're up in that horror, creepy kind of vibe and you don't mind uh, either dubbing or um, 
I keep saying closed captioning, subtitles, but subtitles. subtitles. <laughs> this is closed captioning because I always keep closed captioning on when I'm watching Netflix or anything. Am I the only one? No, no, we okay. do as well. Yeah. Joe? No, I'm yes. the only one who doesn't, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got good hearing, sir. <laughs> I just put the volume on really loud. Well, that, and it's just like if you're eating snacks and oh. you're crunching, <laughs> you want to be able to see what's going on. Or if somebody has an accent. It's, yeah. Anywho. Oh, yeah. Absolutely with that. Uh, another one, I don't know what the hell this is. Uh, this is either going to be one of those really bad movies, it's good, or a really bad movie that's just really bad. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Zero reviews as of right now, but the movie is called Green Ghost and the Masters of the Stone. <laughs> what? I don't have much hope for it because, it, I, don't get me wrong, I love this man. Does he make a lot of great movies? He does not. Is he entertaining? Hell yeah. Danny Trejo. And, you know, there's a, I, uh, there's also, I mean, I just did a quick look at this. It looks like it might be a wrestling-type movie. Yes. So, in a Texas border town, Carl Salesman Charlie, played by Charlie Clark, moonlights as a masked Lucha Libre wrestler going oh, by the okay. name Green Ghost. Which is funny because I was watching the trailer and it's like uh, an ordinary gringo. <laughs> <And> that's <laughs> Charlie Clark, uh, Clark's character. Uh, but uh, when unknown assailants arrive seeking an otherworldly emerald, Charlie discovers that he has superpowers. And as he learns to fight from the unconventional master Jin, played by film legend Danny Trejo, Charlie is told that he's a part of a secret warrior ti- ti- tri- triad of a light with his childhood friend Marco and Marco's sister Karina, led by La, La Nana together. La Nana? Yeah, I almost said La Nana, but it doesn't have an N yet. It's La Nana. Together, they have been chosen to protect humanity from Drake, the embodiment of the Mayan apocalypse. As a stargate is opened in a Mexican pyramid, Drake seeks the power to destroy humankind and Charlie. What? Wow. Um, Linked to the power of the Emerald is the only one who can stop him. And Charlie must harness both his physical and mystical strength to save humanity and go from gringo to gringost. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, In the style of comedy, horror, martial arts movies of the 1970s and 80s, director Michael D. Olmos, Green Ghost and the Master of the Stone, is a comedic anti-hero action movie filled with adventure for the entire family. It's going to be cheesy AF. Oh, yeah. So like I said, it's either going to be so bad it's good. Or it's just this could be, be one of those cult types that either yeah. end up as something you're going along the lines of like I'm gonna watch this a million times, or it's so bad I'll watch it a million times with my friends as we play a drinking game. And like it could be right. one of those. And if you do want to see a Bruce Willis movie, Fortress's Fortress Sniper's Eye, no reviews as of yet, but you can rent it or buy it on Voodoo and buy it on Apple TV if you don't want to go to the theaters. Yeah, if you want to stay at home, you can do so and do that, or uh, you know maybe uh, just uh, wait around some from all, for all the other news from CinemaCon. <laughs> well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy. <laughs>